Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 158 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is February 21st, 2011. Happy President's Day to everyone. I apologize for the uh, lateness of the podcast today. It's going up a little later than normal. I don't have a really good excuse. I had a tea time this morning and did, uh, did some golf. and uh, So that's all right. So we're putting the podcast up a little bit later. hope that's okay. We did give you a bonus episode of the podcast Late last week, we had Lanny Julius on to talk about the recruiting class, so we gave you a Trojan blast, uh, and I think a lot of people enjoyed that. We got a bunch of emails and uh, people that enjoy him talking about the recruiting class, we'll try to have him on again sometime soon. If you have any uh, questions or comments for us, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or give us a call, 206-888-6755 is the number. We have a couple of voicemail questions that you've sent in today. We'll play those a little bit later on in the show. And in the first segment, we love to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. I'll tell you, I hope you had a good round of golf. Uh, two Mondays in a row, Valentine's Day two weeks ago, and now President's Day. But, uh, you know, all you uh, presidents like yourself, you know, Ryan, get to, you know, do what you want. The rest of us, as blue-collar guys, <laughs> we just wait to do our job. Yeah, wait to do our job. You know, I just take a little break sometimes. Some buddies... Had time off because it's President's Day, so they invited me to go golf. And I said, sure, why not? Why, why don't we go golfing? It should be fun. Uh, well, I hope you had a good time. I hope it wasn't too cold for you out there. It was uh, It was nice, uh, sunny, sunny at times, but then there was other times that weren't as nice. So, I don't know. We'll see uh, We'll see how it ends up turning out. The weather's not been as good around here lately as it as it was before. We had some 80-degree some days in uh, February, which was really nice, Coach. Really nice. I worked on my tan a little bit then, you know. But now it's sort of fading away and uh, a lot of rain. But hey, we got a lot to talk about. Where do you want to go? What do you want to start with? Well, I wanted to thank our sponsor first, uh, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Uh, or you can give them a call 1 800 888 7287. And if you need tickets for anything that was going on, you could have got tickets for the, uh, which was a big event over the weekend, Coach, the uh, All Star Game, the Slam Dunk Contest. You get to see Blake Griffin and all that stuff. If you needed tickets for that, SETickets.com is a place to go. And any kind of events coming up, Lakers, Clippers. Clippers tickets are a little more popular now. You need tickets for those or any the Kings games or Ducks games, things like that. Go to SETickets.com. I know that's where Coach goes. Well, I try to go there as often as I can when I can afford to go places like you, Ryan. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, Southern California ticket service makes it possible for me to go to those events because they give me a good deal. How's that? That's a good deal. I mean, we, we like it when they when you give out good deals and stuff. And, uh, Coach, it's a, it's a weird time of the year for football. Uh, there's not as much going on. The players are still doing their winter workouts. They're they're down there doing uh, strength and conditioning four days a week, throwing the football down, you know, around a couple days a week, getting out there. As a coach, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective. What were you guys doing after signing day, before spring football started? You couldn't really – coach the players you're you're still working on kind of recruiting and stuff what kind of a time is this for the coaching staff when they're trying to get ready for spring football 
Well, it's a time you go through everything and you evaluate your entire offense and everything from the past year. You go through and you evaluate what worked. By now, all your video department has cut down all the films, so you have a chance to look to see what plays worked against what defense, what you know, what players uh, played uh, in such roles that could benefit you better the coming year. And, and you sort of throw out things and bring in things and sort of put together what you're going to do in the spring and what you're – goals are and you sit down and you look at the depth charts and you and you have staff meetings where you put players here and you put players there and you say we got to get this out of this player and that out of this player and if players have any type of academic uh, problems or whatsoever you make sure you put a coach on that player along with the academic advisors to make sure this kid is going to school and class and everything else so he's eligible so you've got a lot of things to do a lot of homework to do right now but remember when the season was over with you're full go into the recruiting season. So you really didn't have a lot of time to spend with your players. You've been on the road. Uh, you've been gone. Your players have been working out and so on. Well, it's time for you to hug them again, have them come into the office, talk to them about the new recruits, talk to them about what's been going on. Did they have a nice holiday? How's your workouts going and so on? You go down into the weight room. And you spend a lot of time in the weight room watching your kids work out and maybe even work out with them to build up this relationship again with the kids. But it's been a while since you've been around them. You haven't been around them for a couple of months when you've been going through all this recruiting period. And you're going to be asking them to work out hard, and then you're going to ask them to go to class. You're going to ask them to do a lot to get ready for spring practice. And and you've got to spend some time with your players so that you build up this love and this compassion that you're all working for the same goal. So there's a lot going on. Plus, you, you know, you're going to hire a new coach here and there. So your new coach got to get out too and uh and and build up confidence with his players and position players that he's going to be coaching and so on so there's a lot there's a lot that you have to do you review and you get ready for the spring and you you decide what you don't want to run anymore you decide what you want to add to your packages and uh you know you've spent a lot of time on film and tape and phone calls because really recruiting never is done you're already recruiting for the 2012. You've got combines. You've got camps on the weekends. You've got places you have to be. You've got speaking engagements. You've got clinics on your campus that you speak at, and they've got some clinics. You've got pro day. I mean, when you start to add all these things up, Ryan, there aren't many weekends you have free. No, it doesn't seem like there are. There's always kind of stuff going on. And I was, If you follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter, I'm not sure if you're a guy that follows Twitter much, Coach, but uh, – He's actually tweeted a little bit more stuff and talked about doing some family things. It seems like it's busy, but right now isn't the busiest time of the year for the coaches. There, there's not as much set things that they have to do, like spring practices or things like that. I mean, there's a lot to get ready for. They want to get ready for spring ball. They want to fill out the coaching staff. They still have to recruit and set up their junior days and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like this is one one of those times where they can take a little bit of a break and then they do over the summer, they get to take a couple weeks off vacation. But right now, it seems like it's a, it slows down a little bit for them. No, it does slow down a little for them. And then also, you've got the new uh, conference now. You've got two new opponents coming in, so you've got to become familiar with these teams. You've got to watch some films on Utah and Colorado, even though Colorado has a new coach. I know that Eric Espinosa, they had a meeting this past weekend in Las Vegas for all the video directors, for all the new Pac-12 schools where they talk about the quality of video and when they're supposed to get them there for the next week and so on and how it's supposed to be broken down. So there's a lot to do, too, regarding the 
new additions to the conference and how this is going to work. So there's a lot of planning that goes on during this period of time. But, yes, I agree with you. If you have a down period at all where you don't really, you know, where you can go home at a normal hour in the evening, I'd say this is that time type of year or this time of year. And I guess maybe Lane Kiffin's in a, a different position than a lot, of, a lot of the other coaches out there. Not only you know it's a second year, so they're they're getting a little their feet under them a little bit more. I think they're in on some of the more local kids that they didn't necessarily know about for the class of 2011. They got to see them when they were recruiting the class of 2011. They got to see some of these 2012 kids, but there's still that sanction you know balloon kind of hanging over their head waiting to see what's going to go on with the appeal. We should know within the next month or so. Hopefully, we at least know something. But that's another thing, I guess, it's just more uncertainty that probably kind of keeps him and his staff on his toes maybe a little bit more than other coaches that don't have to worry about something like that. You know, Ryan, I think it's almost part of the punishment. It's unbelievable how they can wait this long to make a decision. Either they are or they aren't. And I think it's part of the punishment in making you sit back and wonder what's going to go on and torture you a little bit uh, before they come up with a decision. But I can't help but think that if they continue this and make it a longer period of time like they're doing, they're obviously talking about adjusting those appeals, adjusting it to alter what they sanctioned USC. I mean, if you're not going to make any changes, then why don't you just send a letter out the next day and say, nice meeting you and enjoy, thanks for the cup of coffee, but this is what we're going to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what, what, what are they trying to prove by saying it takes us eight weeks, it takes us ten weeks to make a decision on something? It takes 30 seconds to call a play in football, okay? I mean, let's make some decisions. These are supposedly intelligent people to know what they feel is right or wrong or whatever way they're going. And, you know, sometimes I don't think there's intelligent. Sometimes people are too intelligent, okay? They don't have any common sense. I mean, figure it out. Are you going to are you going to change this appeal? Are you going to go along with SC? Did you sanction them too too hard for what they what what happened? Uh, make up your mind, let people know so kids can go on. Uh, don't drag out the punishment. Make up or are they too busy to put get down and, and do this? Whatever the reason is that, you know, try to make get it over with. I mean, I, I think sometimes some of those guys are idiots. <laughs> well put, coach. I love that. Um, I, I mean, we know how you feel about the sanctions being too harsh and stuff like that. But what do you, do you have a sense of how this is going to turn out? I've had a lot of people ask me, and there's been a lot of talk on the, the message boards on uscfootball.com. And I think the general sense is that there wasn't as much optimism maybe a month or so ago. That early, I, I think lately there seems to have been a little bit more optimism by doing that um, clinic that they held for the, for all the – the NCAA people and and the Pac-10 athletic directors and stuff like that at USC, the compliance clinic or whatever they want to call it. It just seems to be the tide seems to be switching a little bit towards maybe something positive happening for USC because I know there was a lot of people that felt early on there's no way anything's going to change, blah, blah, blah. So we've heard that all. What is, what is your sense for the way things are kind of trending towards right now? Well, I've said all along, I think SC's handled this uh, unbelievable. I mean, even Coach Kiffin, the way he's handled it and the way he's uh, conducted his interviews and so on and the extra sanctions and extra penalties that USC has even done on themselves as far as practice and not pl- boosters can't get around the players and blah, 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 all of these different things. Nobody on the sideline 
I mean, I'm not sure if the NCAA put in a lot of those rules or if USC didn't just go above what they told them that we're going to do more than what you asked us to do to prove that we want to straighten this up. And, you know, you have a different president. You have a different athletic director. You have a different head football coach. Hey, let's be serious here. I mean, hey, you know, they went overboard. If they can't see they went overboard in what they did to USC, then I don't think those guys should have a car's driver's license, okay? <laughs> I, really, I really don't I, I, because it's, it just doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense that they know what red, yellow, or green is. They've overdone it. They've overpunished uh, USC on this situation, and I really believe they're trying to find a way to make themselves look good and coming back and saying why they're going to become a little lenient. And I think they should, and I think the best way they should do it is to be able to come back and give credit to USC for what they've done, the way they've handled it, and then, you know, uh, come back and say, because of this and this, we are now going to drop the scholarships to a total of 15 rather than 30. We are now going to, uh, you know, allow you to go to a bowl game next year. We, now, we are now going to allow this or allow that and, and change things around. And, uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, what are they doing then? If they're not going to change anything, then you just have a little vote. You, you know, people leave. You shut the door. You have a little vote. And you say, well, how do you feel on this? Well, I don't feel – I think we were right. Okay, then forget it. But obviously there's some disagreement going on there in the jury room uh, between the uh, people on how they should handle this. And I think they're getting a lot of pressure, too, from other universities saying, hey, we all live in glass houses. This could be going on at any school. And listen, USC's been able to live, live through this and still come through with a, you know, a super recruiting class. If this happens to our university and people can, you know, you can come in and recruit our players away and all these other things, we, it'd be over with at our university. So I think they're going to get a little peer pressure from the other presidents in meetings when they're having a cocktail, when they're discussing it, that uh, maybe they ought to, you know, get a little uh, passion here for the feelings of what happened at USC. It is pretty amazing the way that USC was able to kind of weather the storm. Obviously, it was it had a, a pretty big impact, but comparatively to what, like you said, with other schools, man, it could be complete devastation you're talking about. I don't know how many schools come back and put a top recruiting class together like that you know, with those sanctions still hanging over their head. And, you know, it's still going to be a rough road. If USC doesn't get any of those scholarships back, it's going to be tough. Um, let you know, let me tell ahead. you, if they, if they weren't USC, okay, a lot of kids didn't leave USC when they could have because it's USC. I'm just telling you, that's what the deal is. These kids felt their education and playing at USC and being a part of the Trojan family was more important to them than going somewhere else and possibly playing football. But you know, they not all of them, but most of them got contacted by somebody. You know that. Come play for us. Come play for us. You'll be a star at our, our school. I mean, come be a big uh, fish in a small pond. You know they heard that all, all, all over the place. You know that. So a few left, okay, a few left. Some are sorry they left. I bet if you ask them now, they're sorry they left. But they didn't think SC could withstand this and go through what they did. So they, you know, but kids make mistakes. If you have a second chance at that decision, they'd come back and play at USC. Tell me what other school, I mean, sure, Ohio State, there's schools like Alabama. What other school? Like if you're Oregon State or you're at some other school, nothing against any of you Corvallis people. Really, I love you guys. Okay, FC hadn't been able to beat you. But let, let, me, let me tell you, if you have a chance, if FC calls you up and you're playing at, uh, at Wisconsin 
or you're playing somewhere else that's on probation, they say, we'd like to offer you a, a scholarship to come to USC and be immediately eligible. You don't think they could just go out and take the key players at these schools? I mean, all of them. But at SC, players stayed. Most of the players that left were backup players and roles that were trying to find themselves a home. And you, and you really, you know, emotion is a lot of that, where this is an opportunity for me to go and become immediately eligible. But how many of those kids have been successful at what happened, Ryan? You know, how many, can you tell me who went out and really did well that left USC? Who? And some went out and got hurt and never even played. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, it wasn't huh? the, you know, Malik Jackson, maybe you could talk about him. He had an impact, but he had to play on the interior of the defensive line over there at Tennessee. But, you know, a guy like uh, DJ Shoemate, who thought he was going to come in and be a starting tailback. Ended up, back, yeah. yeah, it didn't really work out. I mean, it's just, it was more about playing time, it seemed like, than worrying about what the, the, the real rule was for. These players can't play in a bowl game. We're going to give them a chance to transfer out right away. Um, but that's, I don't think anyone really even transferred for something like that. It's just, no. It just seemed more about, you know, this was an opportunity for playing time. And, and this is one thing I'm curious about, Coach, that I, th- I think that if a, even if Ohio State or an Alabama, any of those schools, I think if you get hit hard and you're a power school like that, the, the team that should or the program that should benefit the most should be your arch rival. You know, you have, if you're Alabama or Auburn's or, you know, is Michigan going to benefit if, if Ohio State gets put on, you know, probation or something like that? And to me, and I've had a lot of people ask me this, and you know, you're in LA, you kind of know what's going on here. Are you shocked that that Rick Neuheisel and UCLA have not benefited? It look, it seems like they haven't benefited at all from this. I mean, this would be a chance that if you lose a, a big recruit, a five-star LA recruit like DeAnthony Thomas, shouldn't he have been lost to someone like UCLA, where they could kind of take advantage of of the fact that USC was down? I've been surprised that UCLA really hasn't been able to get up off the mat and take advantage of USC when, they're, when they've been hurt like this. Now, I don't want to hit a school when they're down, UCLA's down, but I'm going to tell you, and Rick Neuheisel is a good guy, but I think they degressed more than what SC has during this period of time. They've had coaching changes. They can't find coordinators. They can't find the people to come in and be a part of the job. They're not sure if it's a one-year job, if is going to be around or not. I mean, they're bringing in people from out of state that don't know the local areas as far as recruiting and have favors and know how to get on the freeway and drive to Dorsey High School or drive down to Crenshaw High School or drive down to Long Beach Poly High School. I mean, I don't really understand the direction right now of the UCLA program whatsoever. The changing of the offense, bringing in an offensive running back coach, and you give them a three-year contract when New Heisel has a two-year contract. I mean... I mean, I can't figure out what's going on there. I, you know, they want to run the pistol, yet Neuheisel wants to call the plays. I can understand that, but, you know, what? there's, there's confusion within the ranks. There's really confusion. And, and I really don't think it's, it's positive. And, and I, they didn't have a great recruiting year. They're not getting the local city kids that they got before. Uh, they're getting some kids back next year that have been hurt and injured that, and coming off redshirt years. That should help them next year. But, wow, I'll tell you, the Pac-10 is getting better every year, and UCLA is not. And I think that this is a very difficult situation for the Bruins as far as for their fans, their loyalty, their support groups, and everything else. And, and I'll tell you, it's going to be important next year that they show up. And the way I understand they got Texas next year. I haven't seen their schedule. 
Texas didn't have a great year either, and they beat Texas last year, but I haven't seen their schedule. But I understand their non-conference schedule is pretty tough, not to mention the uh, Pac-10 or Pac-12 schedule. And I'll tell you, when they go to Salt Lake City next year, they better be ready for uh, the University of Utah. I'm going to tell you that up there with Norm Chow, the offensive coordinator, and Utah playing up there, UCLA coming up there, the place will go crazy. Uh, they, they've got a lot of challenges to overcome this spring and in the fall. No, I agree with you, Coach. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Games like that are going to make this this new Pac-12 kind of fun to watch when you get to see Rick Neuheisel go against Norm Chow uh, in Salt Lake City against Utah. So we'll look forward to all that. We can talk about all that stuff coming up on podcast. But we have a few questions uh, I wanted to get to. David had a two-parter. We'll address the second part in a second. But he wanted to know first, who do we think is going to have the biggest impact early next season from this 2011 class? Are there any guys that are stepping out, that are kind of shining in your eyes that you think are going to have big years? Yeah, I, I think George Farmer's uh, got the possibility of potential to play a lot. The great receiver out of Sarah High School. I like Marquise Lee. I think he's got a chance to play a lot, too, the defensive back out of Sarah. Uh, I think... Uh, I like this Hayward kid, the defensive lineman out of Point Loma High School in San Diego. He's a very aggressive, big kid. I think he can play. I don't know if he'll play as a freshman or not. Um, trying to think here what other – I don't think the quarterbacks. I think they'll redshirt both those quarterbacks or maybe one of the two quarterbacks they'll redshirt. Uh, I'm trying to think. Any, I think uh, Any OB, offensive lineman or – Idea of the big Hobie kid out of Arizona. I think he's potentially, by the middle of the season, could be a starter. I really do believe he could be a starter. He's got great feet and is strong. Just threw kids around in high school. Uh, Farmer could be, not Farmer, uh, a big kid out of Ohio, Cleveland. What's the tackle's name? Walker? Uh, Andre Walker, yeah. Yeah, I think he could come along and, and be a great player. Uh uh, the, you know, it's very difficult as a freshman to come in and make a big impact. It really is. But you look at guys that people don't talk about that are still part of the uh, Trojan uh, team that didn't play last year, like D.J. Morgan. I think he's going to be an exciting football player. And you got Tyler Bay. I think he's going to be, a, a oh, just a tremendous football player. If SC learned any one thing, last year is let a back carry the football 20, 21 times a game like Bradford did and get 200 yards a game and pound people and then pass the football to your great receivers. They got great receivers. They got great running backs. They're thin in the offensive line, but you got to help those guys by keeping the defense off balance. And defensively, they're going to have to shore up and they can't allow big plays. They got to play better defense next year. I didn't think that SC really played great defense this last year and and I think that the, this Dawson kid and some of these freshman kids coming in, the linebackers and so on, will give them some depth. You've got to get your best 11 players on the field no matter where they are. You can't have Kennard and Glippo uh, you know, alternating. You've got to get them both on the field somewhere. You, you can't let them just, uh, just sit and uh, alternate. You've got to get your best 11 players on the field and let them play. And, you, and it's time for some of these players – to step up and have great years like Armstead. I mean, let's let's step up. An athlete like this has got to step up and start to dominate a game, even if you move him inside. And Perry, it's time for Perry to start to dominate a game. Hey, these are state players of the year out of Michigan and so on. I mean, 
time to, for these guys to, you know, create mismatches where they're forced to double team these guys so other guys can make a play. And, uh, uh, and I think that's what the, the staff has got to do is the players that they've got that can be dominating players. It's time to motivate those guys to step up and be who they're supposed to be. Not just talk about it, but get it done. Time to get it done, Coach. Well, I agree with you. One other guy I wanted to mention, Andre Hadari. He'll probably be the starting kicker, so I think he would have a big impact. One way or the other, there's going to be some kind of impact there. Um, there was a second part of the question. I'll try to answer it. Maybe you can share your thoughts on it as well, Coach. Uh, David was saying that assuming the appeal is not granted, and to the extent that we don't end up with 25 eligible signees for 2011, can SC take some January 2012 early admits that count towards 2011? If so, wouldn't it be prudent to stop at 22 or wherever we are now in order to sign 18 or so next year? And my understanding of this, David, is that right now, uh, just put up the updated scholarship math with a 30-person class. They brought in uh, 22 guys, and there's still um, there's still potential to sign Steve Dillon, and there's some other guys that um, – you know, they could also try to bring in some other, other guys there. But I have them at 80 scholarships right now, not counting Bryce Butler. And there's only 13 seniors on the roster. And I, I think next year, and Coach, you can kind of chime in on this well, as well, I only count 13 seniors. So it doesn't seem like the, the 15 number, if the appeal doesn't go through, is going to be the limiting factor that they could still – you know, I don't think it's going to matter if they bring in guys next year that would count towards 2011 or 2012 because the big number is going to be getting under 75. So since they're at 80 now uh, and you, you only have 13 seniors, you know, without any kind of attrition, then you're taught you're, there's not many scholarships left. I mean, it's not going to matter if you get 15 that count towards one class or another. Uh, now, technically, I think you could do that. You could bring in some early enrollees because technically the sanctions aren't starting until 2012, um, so you could do the same kind of thing where you bring in some early enrollees. I think the problem is going to be there's just not going to be enough scholarship. I mean, there will be too many scholarships to try and stay under 75 that counting that, you know, 15 or 20 or counting towards 2011 or 2012, I don't think it's going to matter quite as much. If You want to share any sh- thoughts on that, Coach? No, you, you explained exactly the way I would explain it. You did a great job of, of explaining that. The number, the problem is going to be is keeping it at 75. So you can just bring in so many, depending on who doesn't leave or what the numbers are as far as available numbers for scholarships. You can Sure, you can bring them in early, but is there a place for them to be there? When will the number be over uh, 75 at that time? So, no, I think you're exactly right. I think that, you know, maybe – Next year, they can only bring 13 players totally anyway if everybody stayed. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, if you go 80 minus 13, you're talking 67, and you can only get up to 75. <laughs> so there's not a – that's only eight, you know. But I'm sure there will be some sort, you know, of attrition. And, you know, and, and maybe there's some optimism there now where you could get some of these scholarships back. But I think the real big deal is going to be that 75 number like you talked about, Coach. And uh, Exactly. That's the biggest thing right there. And if you ever want to – Get anything on the appeal, you give up that one year playing in a bowl game, believe me. You really do to keep your scholarship numbers and you get the numbers back to 85 and, and down to whatever, 15 and so on, so you can fill your number and be able to have players. Because without players, you can't win. And I know that if you have a bowl game, you get those extra days of practice and so on, which means so much. 
But well, you, if you practice and you practice without having great players, it doesn't make any difference. And I think right now that what the USC football program has done for the next year or two, they're not going to play bring any players unless they're five- or four-star players. The three-star, two-star player deal is over. They've got their depths and so depth of players and so on. Over the next years, whether it's 15 players or 13 players or 10 players, or whatever it is, it's going to be a five- or four-star player because that's the type of quality of player you have to have to win anyway. I agree with you 100%, Coach. It was different this year. It was a highly ranked class, but it was a different kind of class because they needed bodies. They needed numbers. They get a, they had to get that scholarship number back up somewhere in the 80s as opposed to being in the low 70s or high 60s. So it was a different kind of year for Lane Kiffin. But I think you're going to see going forward, appeal or not, more Pete Carroll type of classes where there's 18 guys, you know, if they can get that many. Uh, you know, But there's something in the teens, and it's pretty much a four-star average across the board like what we saw with Pete Carroll. Exactly. You've got to do that. You've got to maintain that level of player if you're going to play for a national championship. And I think exactly, why do you go to USC? To win a Pac-12 championship and play in the Rose Bowl or win the Pac-12 championship and play in the national championship game? That's why you go there. Anything less than that is a disappointing year. Well, I agree with you, Coach. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Sorry I had to uh, get you on a little late there. But, uh, you know, I, I won some money in skins today golfing. So at least we got that going. Sorry about that. <laughs> Buddy, whenever you win in anything – that's what it's all about. You got to win in recruiting. You got to learn to compete every day, and you got to say in every day and every way, you got to get a little bit better and better in everything you do. That's what. That's that's my goal. I didn't I didn't golf all that well, but I won the skin the big holes for all the skins. So that's what matters. My score wasn't all that good, but I won the important holes. I hit the important putts that I needed to hit to win the skin. So it was well, a you fun. You do day. what you got to do to win. All right. Well, coach, again, thank you very much for coming on. We're going to be back in. Uh, 30 seconds, talking with Dan Weber from uscfootball.com. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We got Dan Weber from uscfootball.com, our, our beat writer extraordinaire that we love to read what Dan's got cooking all the time. Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, Ryan. It's an interesting week. Uh, uh, we're uh, sitting here waiting uh, to see if we uh, we have a, a new uh, wide receivers coach. It looks like it, but uh, I guess they're taking the uh, today's holiday seriously, so uh, <laughs> we haven't heard anything yet. You almost after the whole uh, Rocky Sito as the new defensive coordinator at UCLA uh, situation, you, you you almost never want to completely jump the uh, jump the gun as poor uh, Rocky did with UCLA. And so uh, we'll uh, we'll wait and see what USC has to say. But uh, certainly certainly looks like they might have a, a wide receiver coach. And the, the rest of the week, I think people are going to be interested in uh, how uh, the eight uh, Trojans at uh, 
at the NFL Combine are going to do starting uh, tomorrow. Much of that, I guess all of it actually, is now on NFL TV. So uh, you can follow along with the uh, with the eight Trojans, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of people are really invested in those kids. A lot of good good kids and good guys, and maybe had uh, you know kind of a a tough way that their career uh, you know with the last couple of years with all the things that happened uh, and uh, the kind of kids you're going to be rooting for. So uh, uh, we're going to kind of talk about them in, in a column uh, tonight uh, that we'll put up tonight and. You can look at for the rest of the week. Nice. So, well, first thing on the wide receiver coach. So, the reports came out. Uh, Tom Deanhart from Rivals.com was reporting that it uh, uh, looks like Tom Gilmore, the former recruiting coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who they just recently parted ways and, and Nebraska went a different direction. Uh, he'd been there for a few years and uh, was their recruiting coordinator, like I mentioned. And it looks like uh, what, what, what they were reporting on Rivals is that that he's going to become the next wide receiver coach for USC. Now, no official word, like you said, that's kind of what we're expecting to see, uh, but nothing has come down official yet. So we'll keep you know keep staying. Yeah, you know, I guess the one the one connection that everybody makes is that Lane, uh, you know, certainly tried to hire him three years ago uh, for the Raiders. So uh, we know that there is that kind of. Uh, you know, a connection. We're not, you know, exactly sure. You know, we know Monty obviously goes back, uh, you know, through Nebraska. We're not sure, uh, you know, all of the of the connections there. But I mean, if you, you have to think that if you were going to hire somebody uh, for the Oakland Raiders, you'd probably uh, also be, uh, you know, he'd certainly be in the running uh, at this time. You know, he's not still at Nebraska. They've decided he was with the old staff. They've decided to go a different direction. Uh, not sure, you know, what, what exactly that means with, you know, what Bo Pelini's doing. They haven't thrown the ball a lot. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if that wouldn't be like being the zone offense coach for USC's basketball team or something. I don't know. <laughs> being a, but uh, they block like crazy, We under, you know. So, uh, and that, you know, might not be a bad thing. I mean, I think it is a key position now. Obviously, Lane was the wide receivers coach here at USC, and he certainly – you know, very much involved in the, uh, you know, with the wide receivers. All, you know, and and, and I thought, uh, John, you know, I thought Morton did a really good job this year. I think we got he was allowed to coach more. He did more coaching. Uh, obviously, the you know what we saw with Robert Woods' uh, development as a freshman, uh, uh, you couldn't ask for any more. But you know, with you got Kyle Prater and you got all those young, you know, all that young talent coming in. It's a really uh, a key uh, key hire, I think. Yeah, key position hire for sure. We'll see what if that ends up coming to fruition. We expect it to happen that way. And then you mentioned the combine starting tomorrow. You can watch them uh, on NFL Network. It's a lot of fun to check out. And USC's been well represented there over the years. And some some big name players have come in there and done well. And maybe maybe the guy that made the biggest splash was a kicker, David Beeler, who came in there. And I remember he was on the podcast a year or two ago. I can't remember when we had him on, but telling the story that. You know, when he, the, the tight ends would lift with the, the kickers and snappers and stuff, and people would watch the tight ends, the scouts, and then like 80% of them all left. And then David Beeler goes in there and puts up these huge numbers. And, and then he ended up becoming like a media darling because this kicker was, was outlifting linemen and, and running faster times than linebackers and defensive backs in the 40s. Yeah, I mean, so. The opportunity is there. And I think, you know, all of these kids uh, have a chance. USC, you know, uh, after a couple of years of, of maybe not, you know, uh, you know, you're, you know, nine and four at eight and five and what have you, uh, 
and yet you're still a USC kid, and they're gonna like you if you do something to really give them, you know, something to like, you know, and, and an Alan Bradford who maybe uh, you know turns out to be, wow, we didn't realize, you know, 235 pounds and he can run like that or, or whatever. I, I do think uh, you know they have a chance, and I think it's interesting. I will tell people that with eight invitees, USC is. There's only five uh, five programs that have more than uh, more than USC. Uh, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, the school that had the closest connection to the NFL because of agents and uh, and one of its assistant coaches, North Carolina, has the most at 12. Uh, and whether I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> four other schools have nine. I think Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska. And I'm trying to see, think of the other four, the fourth one that has nine, um, Iowa, Nebraska, oh, Miami of Florida, a uh, little bit of a surprise. But those are the four ahead of USC along with North Carolina. So then USC is right there next uh, with eight invitees. Uh, it's interesting, no other school in the Pac-10 has more than four. Arizona, Cal, and Stanford each have four. And uh, – the two Oregon schools who uh, put in, uh, what we, we figured it out, eight, a combined 89 to 39 hurting on the uh, on the Trojans, have just three each. So USC Jeez. by itself has eight invitees. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State combined just six. So <laughs> whatever those numbers mean, they might mean something. They might not mean almost anything, but they're always interesting to look at. No, for sure it is. We're looking forward to your column tonight. Uh, we got some questions I wanted to get to on the team. And Evan wanted to know about uh, Nick Perry. First, he said, I enjoyed the recruiting talk with Lanny. It was good to get some expert opinion on our class. Well, thank you. It was great to have Lanny on. He's always fun. He's a very interesting character. You could say the least. You could tell by listening to him. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to know what kind of year will Nick Perry have? It looks like he has all the physical tools. But last year, he just caught the injury bug. And, and Coach Harvey Hyde actually mentioned him in the last segment, Dan, about here's a guy that really needs to step up and have that kind of impact that you would expect from someone that was the Michigan football player of the year back in high school. So what, what do you think about Nick Perry? Well, I, just you know, watching him the other day that the uh, defensive lineman came out, uh, he looks healthy, he looks happy. He looks uh, trim. Uh, you know, I would I would guess he, he's down below two uh, two fifty. Uh, we were kidding him about we didn't recognize him without his uh, big old brace on, uh, uh, but you couldn't even tell. You know, he had the high ankle sprain, that right high ankle sprain. He had to wear that big stiff brace that didn't let him move. And I think he really played hurt, obviously, almost all the season. And uh, you know, he was out there playing on one leg. Uh, I liked it too that the reason they were out there and it was kind of a, a wet wet track and the the throwing uh, wasn't going on but he got the defensive lineman out it was he was a he was a guy behind it pushing him out there and he's kind of a quiet guy uh, uh you, you know always got a smile and he said working hard uh, uh, you know I think he really he loves being at USC and 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 I I you know I don't know that it's like well he has to step up because he he didn't get it done last year. I, I just think he did it. He did it absolutely as well as anybody could have expected him to, uh, as hurt as he was. I mean, he really didn't have any push off uh, of that uh, right ankle at all. So he was out there doing the best he could. And I think by the time of the Notre Dame game, he got a big 
big sack in the Notre Dame game. He was still, you know, wearing that brace and all that. But I think he's got a chance to have, a, you know, a, just an outstanding year. Uh, and I think I would predict that he probably does. I mean, hopefully they, you know, they get it all working in terms of doing the right thing at the right time. I hope they stay aggressive. I think that was part of the key is a lot of the time it didn't, didn't look like they were taking advantage of, of some of the, uh, you know, aggressive stuff that really works for these guys. So, uh, and I think Nick's one of those guys that has to be pretty much turned loose and uh, uh, in the kind of pass rusher he is. But I, I like his uh, his possibilities this uh, this coming season. I think he's really a good player. You, you hit a key point there, Dan, just the aggression and turning people loose. I don't think any USC fans out there would be upset if – you had uh, last year, you know, against Oregon, you blitzed Therese Wright or, or something, and, and you gave up a long touchdown pass because of aggression. It was, you know, you, you talked about this before, a couple of touchdown passes given up just because of blown assignments and stuff. I don't think the USC fan base, or at least from where we're seeing on the message boards, would be all that upset if the coaches took a more aggressive line and gave up some plays. But it seems like when you're playing back and you're still giving up big plays, you might as well turn to some aggression. So not just with Nick Perry, but I think with the whole defense – you know, I, I think a lot of people are looking for more aggression. And I think the thing is, you aren't recruiting players to come to USC to uh, play bend, don't break. I mean, that's not the kind of kids they're getting. Uh, and I think it's hard to turn those kids into, you know, bend, don't break or play real, you know, combination. You know, and the, here's the first thing we want you to do disguise what you're going to do you know i don't know i i'd kind of i'd want them to play first you know and and then you know we'll, we can disguise it later but uh just say i mean you'd like to you know think about hey we think we're better than you we think we're quicker than you we think we can you know come get you and we dare you to stop us you know and i know that that sounds a little bit uh but that's the kind of I think attitude you have to have to be USC. I don't think USC is, you know, a team in the, you know, NFL Central South, you know, whatever, uh, trying to get to the playoffs. USC is USC. And uh, I don't think, you know, they need to be playing all these combination uh, disguise. You know, I mean, gosh, the first time Nikel Roby talked about his interception and a touchdown at Washington State and all that, he was so excited because he, he managed to um, uh, disguise what he was going to do. And, and every, you know, I thought, well, that's great, but he's this little freshman who's quick and aggressive and tough and all that. I just want him to play the ball, you know. I, I mean, then we'll worry about disguising it. I, you know, I just thought they might have been thinking too much, and I think that normally happens in a transition year uh, when uh, – when you don't exactly know where are your – even if you're coming from another college, you're still not sure where are your players. What do they know? What can we have them do? And it looks like they, they decided kind of to play it safe and kind of to play it a little cerebral, you know, that it will be – the coaches were trying to do so much that they made it more in an area that where it was about – being smart and being uh, being able to adjust and being able to disguise and being able to you know com- do combinations and things like that, and I'm not sure the players were where they needed to be uh, to be able to do all that uh, competently. Uh, so that's my take. I just think if you get to that point, you say, 
Okay, and they made one adjustment during the year, the cow game, where they said we're not going to try to be, you know, too overly, uh, you know, sharp. We're not going to uh, try to adjust to the formations, and we're not going to all – we're just going to turn them loose. We're going to let them look – the wide side is going to be the strong side, and we're just turning them loose. Well, we know how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't see that very much anymore. And we're not – we haven't gotten really good answers as to why. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of that aggression in the spring football. Them. We'll keep asking, and we'll see. We're actually going to have uh, Joe Barry, the USC linebacker coach. He's going to be on our uscfootball.com TV segment on Wednesday. So at Wednesday at 6 p.m., we'll be live from Traditions. Uh, we do a Ustream broadcast. So if you want to check it out, we'll put it up on uscfootball.com, but you can also go to Ustream slash U- ustream.tv slash football. Check it out. That's our Ustream page. You can go in there and you can watch live and type in questions for Coach Joe Barry live. So I think that's one of the things we're going to have to ask him about, Dan, is uh, yep. what's, what's going on with the, the aggression that you yeah. want to turn some of these guys and, loose. And Joe's a, uh, I mean, Joe is a very smart guy. I mean, when you talk to the kids and they just love telling you about how smart he is and how much he knows and how hard he works, and, and I agree absolutely, completely, totally. Uh, that doesn't mean Joe will always uh, – give you the answer you want or the answer you think you, you're looking for, you're, you know Joe's, a, Joe's not going to give in. <laughs> Joe's a tough guy uh, in terms of uh, – so it will be interesting. It, uh, it's always interesting kind of, uh, you know, uh, matching wits with Joe because uh, he kind of knows what you're, where you're going. And uh, so it'll be interesting. Uh, he's a perfect, uh, perfect first coach, I think, to have on. Uh, and, and, you know, with the, the areas that he works with, the players he works with, the issues that, uh, you know, that he deals with. I think he's, uh, you know, if I were uh, you guys out there that are uh, thinking about some questions, uh, he's the perfect guy to ask. And so uh, get those questions in, I think, Wednesday night. Yeah, for sure. Just go on to go to USCfootball.com about 6 o'clock on Wednesday, and uh, we'll have a link right on the front page. You can link right to the show and then, you can watch it live and type in the chat box, and Joe will answer your questions. So it should be a lot of fun. Well, we, we have a question for you, Dan. This is about uh, one of the young running backs that we haven't heard too much about, and I think there's some, some buzz about him maybe having some sort of a, a breakout season. But here's the question. Hey, Ryan, this is Tony. You guys are always talking about Mark uh, Tyler and Dylan Baxter. How about this Richard kid, uh, DJ Morgan? How's he doing? Thanks. Bye. Well, uh, DJ, I think is, uh, I mean, he's just a terrific, uh, uh, personality. He really did a good job as a scout player, even with, uh, playing in the brace. I thought, uh, you know, we saw flashes of, of some real flash. I mean, he can, uh, uh, he can hit the hole. I think he can run inside. He can run outside. He's got a lot of, uh, uh, you know, open, you know, he's got a lot of just kind of instinct, uh, He's. Uh, he told me the other day he's up to 185. He was 173 last year. So uh, he, uh, like a lot of these kids, that first to second year, that uh, weight work over, you know, through the fall. Actually, they work all through the fall, and then uh, uh, the winter weight work uh, does seem to really work with a lot of these younger kids. Uh, he uh, he says his knee is 100% now. Uh, I know 
he hasn't made i mean he he was out there once i think working and he was out there once on his bike and he said uh he actually uh, uh pulled his hammy a little bit at the beginning of the uh, winter workout so he's uh he's supposed to take it easy for for a little while but uh but uh you know i think he can do anything they need him to do and i would not be surprised to see him i mean he was a big big time recruit and uh for for good reason uh and and you're right. He's kind of been overlooked because of of the red shirt and and the injury. Uh, we thought in watching him, he stayed late after practice uh, very often. He worked on extra things. I mean, here's a kid red shirting, and in, you know, slightly injured, still working on rehabbing. And you would see him out there, you know, uh, catching the ball, uh, you know, doing all kinds of things after practice. Uh, and uh, just one of those real engaging personalities, real comfortable with himself. Uh, his dad uh, is uh, often there at practice, and uh, one of those kind of dads that you like to see uh, for an athlete to have, you know, one of the dads who who, who really gets it. And uh, uh, so I think there's a big-time upside, uh, you know, for D.J. Morgan. All right. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for that question, Tony. Um one other question we had, Dan, it's kind of a uh, just kind of a scholarship uh, question. Some of the rules um, they wanted to know if a player comes to USC but does not have a football scholarship, uh, can he walk? Can he apply for financial aid and then walk on the team? What benefits would they not receive? And then he also had a question with a guy like Eric Armstead. Uh, if he came in on a basketball scholarship, could he still play football? So maybe you want to address those. Uh, well, I think. Uh, I think he could, and I guess the two, I mean, bas- uh, they, those two sports, uh, football and basketball, he would be counted, that's an interesting question, if, if he already was, had a basketball scholarship. I thought he'd have to be I counted towards football. I think football has to take priority, like, certainly. On all sports, that's the only one I'm not sure, does it take priority over basketball as well? Uh I, that would be a good question. That would be something we have to find out. It takes priority over all others. If you, uh, there were schools that tried to bring guys in with tennis scholarships and things like that to get around the uh, uh, the numbers. And uh, uh, I mean, that's Adolf Rupp. Believe it or not, uh, nobody even knows who that was. He was doing that in 1950 at Kentucky in basketball. He had, he'd have about four teams of all Americans. And uh, the last one he'd bring on with with tennis scholarships and things like that. Wow, <laughs> uh, that's no longer <laughs> that's, no, that's no longer allowed. Uh, but uh, but I don't know about the the football basketball how they would have to count it. I, you have to count football for every other scholarship, and there are rules about academics and, and need scholarships. Some you're allowed to have. Uh, that don't count against it, and some aren't. And the rules are really, uh, I think you need to be uh, some kind of, a, you know, an academic lawyer to, uh, you know, to determine what you're allowed to uh, have over and above a football scholarship or in conjunction with a football scholarship. I think there are some things, the way they, uh, you know, factor them in terms of, of Pell Grants and things like that, that you're allowed to... Uh, uh, you're allowed to have in addition to uh, uh, a football scholarship for a particular per- You can't have them for more than one. And if a guy walks on, doesn't have, you know, with just regular scholarship aid, 
uh, I think it, it becomes more of an individual situation as to exactly what kind of aid and, and what kind of, you know, is it, you know, academic, is it a need scholarship, is it what? Uh, but they're pretty strict about that because, as you could guess, there would be some real temptations to, uh, uh, you know, to pull some, uh, you know, stuff there to uh, circumvent the scholarship uh, limitations. So, uh, I mean, we used to always wonder when I was covering Kentucky and teams would come in, other teams in the Southeastern Conference, and they'd have uh, four kickers. You know, a short punter, a long punter, a short field goal kicker, and a long field goal kicker. We were always trying to figure out how did they do that with scholarship limitations. You know, I mean, uh, and, and teams used to figure out ways to to do some of that. And and so you know, I think they tried to make those as ironclad as possible in terms of the restrictions, so that you can't do that. But uh, I think each case is really individual. There may not be an easy answer as to any, uh, you know, sweeping, uh, you know, way to govern uh, scholarships. You kind of have to look at each one and see how it matches up uh, with uh, with all the restrictions, and there are a lot of them. There are, for sure. There's no uh, shortage of rules from the NCAA, for sure, on all of that stuff. <laughs> well, Dan, we appreciate the uh, the time and the insight there, and uh, sorry to everyone for doing the podcast a little bit late today, but we got it out there, and I hope you enjoyed our special Trojan Blast last week. Uh, with Lanny Julius, and of course, Wednesday coming up, don't forget Joe Barry on our Ustream show for uscfootball.com TV. Get on, make sure you get into that. You can ask Joe some questions live about recruiting. He's been very involved in the recruiting process and what you think of the team and the linebackers and all that. But thanks again for tuning in, and thank you, Dan. Thank you very much, Ryan. We'll see you down the road here this week. Yeah, everyone else, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week on the Peristyle Podcast. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. (laughs) 